Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Welcome, podcast world, to another exciting, interesting, special, unique, and single person at the microphone episode of FNO InsureTech. That's right. You heard him. He's Lee Boyd. Hey, thanks for saying my name. Co-host of this world-famous podcast. World-famous. That's right. World famous. We yeah. we we get we get played all over the world. And today we have a local girl made good from Waco, Texas. No, she's not from Waco, Texas. Oh, she's well, that's not local from Waco, to me. Texas. She is from Southern California, where I am also from. I thought you were from Phoenix. No, I lived in Phoenix for a long time. I was born and raised in Downey, California. Mm-hmm. And our guest today, Claudia Rodriguez. Vice President of Claims at Auto Club Enterprises, also a Southern California native and somebody who has an extraordinary story and now sits on top of a major claims organization for one of the largest insurers in the country, both on the property and auto side. And she's come back to join us again. Yeah, I'm very excited to visit with this one, although I won't actually be on the podcast. No, uh uh-uh. Uh-uh. Why weren't you with us? Is this an excused absence or an unexcused absence? This was an excuse. I was on an airplane for the first time in over a year. I had to make a last-minute trip somewhere, and yeah, needless well, to say, I was very sad not to be on the podcast. Just so you know, we're going to talk. I'm going to talk today with Claudia about COVID, about how COVID affected a senior leader in a vast organization that spreads over many states from actually literally from coast to coast. And we look forward to having Claudia with us. We've waited for this for a long time. And we like to have senior leaders on from major claims organizations so that they can talk about the impact of innovation, the reality of innovation. Sometimes when we we get busy talking to innovators in the insurtech space, we lose track of there's a whole customer base that has to use this stuff and make it work. So we'll hear all about that. Glad you're with us. And here is my interview with Claudia Rodriguez, Vice President of Claims at Auto Club Enterprises. Hi, everybody. We are back on a very special episode of FNO InsureTech with a extraordinarily special guest, maybe one of the most special guests we've ever had. I have to say that because Claudia has given me a lot of grief today. We have Claudia Rodriguez with us today. Claudia is the Vice President of Insurance Claims at Auto Club Enterprises, also known to many people as Southern California AAA. Um, But I think they go by Auto Club Enterprises because you are so much bigger than Southern California. Is that why you don't call yourself Southern California? <laughs> yes, and, and thank you for having me, Rob. Yes, we are Hawaii to Maine and several spots in the middle. How many states do you guys write insurance in? 
well, we're growing. I think last I checked, it was 21, 22. We're adding Connecticut uh, probably by the end of this year and continuing wow. to grow. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us. You're a second timer. I am. It's great to be here. And we only have the smartest, most capable, competent people on twice. <laughs> I can see you're going to go over the top here now. Oh, you you have no idea. You have no idea. <laughs> Compensation is my middle name, okay? <laughs> but that's another topic. So tell us about Auto Club Enterprises, what you guys do, and what it is that you do at the club. Sure. So we are one of three underwriting companies in the AAA Federation. So I think obviously most people out there are familiar with AAA itself, Emergency Road Service. Uh, but not every AAA offers their own branded insurance products. So we are one of the three underwriting companies, along with our uh, partners up north at CSAA and then uh, Auto Club Group. And between the three of us, we cover just about everything. Uh, so you've got the club side, membership side, and then the insurance side. And we all actually um, partner well together. Uh, and then for, with respect to my position, so there's only one uh, claims executive at Auto Club Enterprises, and it's lucky enough that it's me. So I have everything soup to nuts and claims. That's auto, property, et cetera, right? The whole shebang. This is one of the things that I really like about you guys, and it's something that I know you feel strongly about. Tell me what you guys call your insureds. Members. Members. Why do you call them that? Well, they're members of a club. Um, and so when you're a member of a club, we, we think it brings a higher responsibility to take care of them because they are members of the club. So for instance, with us, you can't have insurance with us unless you're a member. And we take that relationship very seriously. As you can imagine, if you're stuck on the side of the road and you're calling for help, you want somebody there right away. It could be a very stressful situation. And we take that general perspective on both the membership and the insurance side of things. So we, we consider that relationship with that member critical. So do you think that you treat your insureds differently because you consider them members? We certainly try to. Um, you know, we talk about the membership in several of our interactions, whether it's our, you know, emails, our letters, thanking them for their years of membership, because if they keep the membership, then obviously that helps on the insurance side of things. So maintaining that relationship is, is critical for us. The AAAs are very unique in the insurance world. And as you know, we work in the claims business, we at Alacrity do all kinds of things on the claims business and we work for a couple AAAs. In fact, as of recently, we, we have done work for all three AAAs, underwriting organizations. And you guys do something unique and that is you share resources. So if AAA Michigan had a bad storm, they might reach out to um, Auto Club Enterprises for help, correct? I mean, aren't you guys competitors? The three of us do help one another. I think it's that, you know, higher calling to support the member needs. So we helped our friends in uh, CSAA with the wildfires. You know, it's a really great relationship I have with my two peers at the other clubs. And when there is an event we reach out to one another and help one another. We don't write insurance in the same territory. So from that respect, we're, um, although we're competitors because we're, you know, all ranked in JD Power or something like that with respect to where we write, uh, we are separate. How long have you been in your position, Claudia? Almost exactly three years. Okay. So before you had the job, 
How many other women had had the position that you now have altogether, including all of them? At the club? At the club. Zero. Zero. So that would make you the first woman to have this executive position. That is correct. And that was actually a big part of, um, you know, when my announcement was made, so many people, and of course I've been with the club for over 33 years, so many people mentioned that and it really, it was kind of lost on me, I guess. I've never really thought of myself as a woman breaking ground, but so many people when they sent me the emails congratulating me mentioned that. So gave me kind of a heightened awareness of how important that was. Well, don't you think the fact that you maybe didn't focus on it so much is how you ended up where you are? Well, you know, for me, with respect to being a woman in this role, everybody has their own personal journey. Um, my journey is unique, as we all have unique journeys. So if I look at how long I'd been at the club, over 30 years at the time, you know, I, I know so many people. I had so many connections. I certainly wasn't a risky pick. Uh, because so many people knew me. And so from that uh, perspective, uh, I think it was um, not a surprise. But if you look at my personal journey, where, you know, since 1981, I was surrounded by football, and, and generally speaking, all of my friends are men. <laughs> it wasn't unusual for me to sit in a room of men, and it wasn't unusual for me to compete with men. Uh, most of my friends, just because of the football connection, you know, fantasy football, all of that, uh, to me, it was just something normal that I do. So I didn't really see it as anything unusual. We should call out the UCLA Bruins right now and get it out of the way, shouldn't we? It depends if you want to call them out good or bad. Only uh, good. Only good. <laughs> Hopefully they'll uh, continue to turn it around this year. That would be great. My Both my parents were Bruins. That's good. So once you got the position and you got in the position, did you, do you feel that you had particular challenges? I mean, Auto Club Enterprises is how old of a company? Over 120 years. Okay. So that's, that is an old company. Even the insurance business, that's an old company. So you have lots of tradition and lots of momentum moving in one direction. And here we have a woman executive come in. Was it challenging? Was it, or, or, or was it just another day at the office once you took over in an organization that was so, you know, steeped in, and traditional? I would say it wasn't a normal day at the office, just kind of learning, you know, the daily flow, what I could do, what I couldn't do. But I've known our CEO, John Boyle, for decades uh, and he's known me. So with respect to, you know, I didn't have anything to prove to him. He understands me. He's been very supportive. So in that way, I didn't really have to navigate uncomfortable waters. So it was really a matter of just getting the flow for what do your days look like and how do you organize your team? I added to my team substantially in my first three years. And I think that that's helped to be effective. So I, in my mind, once I kind of got the flow of the everyday piece of it, uh, the other chips um, have fallen into place really because I've been so fortunate to surround myself with such great people and because we already had, you know, just fabulous claims employees to start with. And just so people understand what we're talking about, how many people are in your departments? So pre-COVID, we were just uh, under 2,300. We are now just over 2,000 and we are now hiring again. So we expect to start growing again. Why did it drop? Basically the frequency, right? So the drop mm -hmm. in frequency, we didn't have any layoffs. Uh, if you look back at the auto club history, 
it's a uh, stellar in that regard. So we did a lot of repurposing and training and things like that, but we didn't replace people trying to figure out, you know, what would ultimately be the long-term frequency play. You know, there's so many dynamics to, you know, how often are people driving? When are they driving? So we've just now kind of matched the reduction in frequency with the reduction by the certain specialties that would handle the claims. So now we're, we're open back for business. Let's take a minute and talk about COVID because I'm starting to feel like we're coming out of COVID. Is, is that how you guys are feeling these days? Yeah, I think we're taking, you know, baby steps at a time. We haven't brought anybody back to the office uh, permanently in any large manner. Uh, just a few here and there in the claims department. You know, I've come to work every day uh, since COVID has been with us. So it was really no change for me with respect to where I came. But yes, I think, you know, the, obviously the vaccines are opening up new opportunities for us. Um, and just taking a look at, you know, how we've handled claims over the last year. Uh, we just met recently and talked about, you know, our inspection philosophy, which is, um, is challenging, right? Because we've learned so much in the last year about, you know, virtual versus in-person, the pluses and minuses of both. Uh, I think inherently, you know, the, the auto club person wants to talk to the person and have that bond, but we've learned over the last year that you can do that in other ways other than in person. Um, so I think figuring out, you know, what that right balance is going to be is going to be important for us. But certainly I think, um, We've made a lot of changes and now we are starting to come out of that. And now we're trying to figure out what are the long-term plays with respect to, you know, training, communication, development, work from home. You know, how are we going to balance what we learned with kind of our core values? There's so much there in, in what you just said, and I'd like to spend a minute, a, a couple minutes talking about that. Let's start with work from home. And I think this is something everybody on this podcast can relate to in one way or another, to different scales, maybe what working home meant for your organization. Will your world ever look exactly like it does, like it did in 2019 when it comes to where your people are working? No, I don't think so. I think that we've learned, you know, where we can be successful in doing that and who can be successful in doing that. And obviously there's, there's benefits for everybody. There's benefits to the company. There's benefits to the employee when managed right. So I don't see us going back to the, the position we were in before COVID. You said you've learned so much. Uh, I'm interested in that vis-a-vis -vis getting claims done. You know, I think many organizations felt that the insured would not be comfortable in participating uh, really on any level in, in the claims process. And I'm sure that's one of the things you've had exposure to, but talk for a minute about the so much that you've learned vis-a-vis -vis claim handling. Yeah, I think that everybody would have that concern. Um, you know, how much is the insured going to participate? And then people started thinking of it in different terms, right? My life could be on the line if I meet somebody that has COVID. And what, what right. does that do to a right. person? They're all of a sudden willing to do things probably that they weren't willing to do before. And I think that there was a mutual appreciation right, of, of the member respecting the fact that we're trying not to send somebody there for everybody's sake, for our employee's sake, for their sake, for the community's sake. 
Um, so they appreciated those trade-offs, and I think they were willing to get more involved. You know, the more complicated the loss is, that the more challenging that becomes. And I think when I'm referring to learnings, it doesn't matter which category it is. We're learning that there are some things that are possible, but not everything is possible. And so where is that right balance of, you know, how much should the member be involved? How much do they want to be involved? Do we want them involved when they may not want to be involved? <laughs> and there's still, I think, those unanswered questions, but now we know what's possible. We, mm -hmm. know it, we know it's possible to function without sending people into the field. Do we think that the, that's the right answer for every claim? No. Um, but I think that it's, it really has opened up those possibilities. And, it, you know, my goal, whether it was personally or professionally, was to come out of this better than we went into it. Um, and just the fact that it forced us to do things, it forced us to send you know, 1,100 people home that hadn't been working in the field. It forced us to use tools that we had been pondering but hadn't really used, um, you know, to any significant level. Um, and really from top to bottom, the learnings that we've gotten and, and really now trying to figure out what will be that balance. Uh, and there are differences, um, you know, in geography uh, and different perspectives. I mean, obviously, you've got California, Missouri, Texas, Pennsylvania, New England, um, the members themselves have different perspectives from where they live and the employees had different perspectives, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. from where they came from. Let's talk about innovation. Obviously innovation has played a big part in the last year of your work. Yes. Yes. Very big. Do you have an innovation function or organization inside of AAA? We do. And I think we're still trying to figure out you know, what is the best structure? So for instance, I have a claims innovation lead within claims. We have an ACE, well, short for Auto Club Enterprises. We have an ACE innovation contact and product management. We've obviously got IS. We're a little bit uh, spread out, but regular reporting, if that makes sense. So we don't have 20 people that are saying, here's our 20 innovation people. Um, it's a matter of, for us anyway, remember, we've got the club side and the insurance side. So for claims specifically, you know, we're out there trying everything we can try. <laughs> um, you know, two-way texting, you know, photo-based estimating, claim experience with exact where, you know, planner, Matterport. So we are encouraged to try a whole bunch of things and then kind of come back and say, Here's what's working for us. And the good news is, is that our CEO is really allowing us to drive that bus ourselves and then come to him and say, you know, here's the things that are working. And so far it's worked out really well. I want to talk about some of the specific uh, successes that you've had, maybe with the different tools and whatnot. But I also want to understand more about innovation at the club. COVID, I think we can all agree for those people who work in insurance every day, that COVID took a process that was traditionally and typically very slow, and that's the adoption of a new tool or idea that could change a process, and sped it way up. Is that what you found at ACE? That I mean, just out of need, just out of the reality of the moment, you had to make those changes. Yeah, I did find that. And you know what, if you think about it, we were all very lucky that there are so many, you know, large claims business partners that were ready with products. I mean, mm -hmm. can you imagine, you know, estimating platforms either on the auto or the property side that hadn't been, you know, developing these products? 
Uh, I mean, think if COVID would have hit 10 years ago. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> no, um, it, it, it would have looked, you're right. It would have looked entirely different. I agree. It, it's, it's really, it was a fortunate timing that, you know, those vendors and those partners were ready to, to go with these products and that we were there ready to take them and, and pilot them. And I think it's been a great journey for us to kind of pick and choose what we think feels right. We've still got some more picking and choosing to go, um, but we're excited about where we're at right now for sure. Uh-huh. And I'm sure it's opened your eyes. It's made you more open as far as um, looking at different ideas and tools that are out there, right? Right. And we, and we really are encouraging, you know, our folks to, to really find out what's out there, pick some of the ones that they think are best and pilot those. I just met with uh, my team that develops our training content for claims. And so they were asking, you know, about what, what tools can we have? We see that property has, you know, <laughs> these fun tools. What can we have? And my answer to them was go find the best ones and come back and tell me what works. You know, obviously there's virtual training tools out there. Um, so we're really encouraging everybody around us to start uh, taking some of those chances and, and um, you know, piloting some of those options so we can pick what is the best cultural and business fit for us. Yeah, we had an episode with a training company, Stephen Fromkin and his company that did virtual reality training where the, the trainee puts on goggles, literally puts on virtual reality goggles to kind of see their way through a claim. Very interesting. Yeah, we actually had a, a vendor come and show us those goggles. And so the example was for property, right? So I put on the goggles and so I'm now in a kitchen. Obviously it was a fake kitchen, but mm -hmm. a virtual kitchen. But, you know, how does that look like? So I can train somebody with respect to, you know, the materials, the construction, or how do they estimate a loss? So I'm going to walk into this living room and there's water damage. Um, so it's those kinds of things that we I think need to continue to explore. And then at the end of the day, you know, pretty much every answer that, that I will give you based on COVID is finding that right balance. Uh, uh -huh. You know, what makes sense, what makes sense to invest in from an employee development perspective, but what still makes sense to kind of have it in person. You know, I think that we believe that the initial training for our new hires should ultimately be in person. And the subsequent training, maybe, maybe smaller sessions, you know, could be virtual. But then again, what is that right balance? Balancing expense, right? Flying people all over the country for training is something that you just would have been used to before. And so now it's a matter of, again, finding that balance. That virtual reality training company was a company named Tailspin. And they were introduced to us by one of our carrier partners who is actually using them and, and they bought the goggles and the goggles are in their office. So people have to go to the office to wear the goggles to <laughs> do the training. Right. But, but yeah. So can you share a success story that, that you've had during COVID using innovation, either, either the tools or the ideas that have been innovative for your organization? Well, you know, one of the, and it's not really necessarily an exciting tool, but it is a tool that we weren't using before, right? So I think back two years ago, we certainly weren't using a lot of Zoom or Teams for business. But if you think about the freeze event in Texas, um, you know, where we had over 7,000 claims, uh, most of them coming in in a very short period of time. One of the things that we did was um, develop a virtual cat room 
Whereas before, if you think back to Hurricane Harvey, you know, we had Texas. So we were definitely impacted by Harvey where you bring all these people into a cat room and, you know, feed them all day and have managers and people in line waiting to ask questions of managers. (laughs) Uh, This was totally different. So our, our property managers put together a virtual cat room monitored seven days a week, 12 hours a day in the beginning where people could come on and ask questions. Um, and I will tell you the overwhelming response from the employees working that cat was how great that was. And so what a great opportunity for those folks to learn a specialty because we had casualty folks handling property claims. Mm-hmm. Um, but just using that kind of a communication tool, but then on balance, then you think of it and say, well, I don't know that I necessarily want to have all the rest of my meetings for the rest of my business life on Teams, but that was a unique situation that we learned from. And ultimately, people didn't have to be displaced, right? They didn't have to respond to a cat by staying in a hotel in Costa Mesa for six weeks. They could do that from their home, which meant better quality of work life for them. So it's not a huge, overwhelming innovation example, but it's it's a pretty good story for us in that new environment. I think that's a great example. We worked a lot of claims our company did during the freeze event and thousands and thousands. And we had an enormous investment in, I believe, in Houston and Dallas in hotel rooms and in people traveling there. And it was during COVID and lots of problems. I don't know that we thought of, I'm sure we have a lot of smart people. Somebody probably did. But I think that what you guys did was you know, bringing good ideas together to create a solution for the moment. You know, that in part is what innovation is and how innovation is born is out of these kind of moments that you need to bridge a chasm that you're standing in front of and you don't know how to get to the other side. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, that was such a great example. And I was trying to listen in just to kind of hear, you know, what were the concerns? So here I am, I'm able to, you know, tap into this Teams chat and you had people chatting very easy questions, you know, what is coverage A? (laughs) And then uh, more complex questions calling in. And then you had our property managers, our property trainers. And I was joking that they really, I mean, and the tone of their voice that they used, they were so helpful. I thought, they could solve any problem I called them with right now. And it was just such a a good feeling for everybody teamwork wise and response wise. It's something that I think we're definitely going to use moving forward. So let's talk about the freeze event. I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's a little bit like COVID in, in fact, it's a lot like COVID. Here's something really big and catastrophic that fell on us. I don't live in Texas, but I've you know, my, our company was located there for years. I've spent a tremendous amount of time in Texas and you don't typically associate a bad freeze event with Texas. So talk about what that was like. And I mean, we had a little bit of warning for it, but it must've caught you guys somewhat off guard. I mean, how, how was that experience? Well, it definitely caught me off guard. So I was actually camping off the grid and was getting ready to drive home when I got a text message from my boss. I think the moment I came back into cell range, you know, crisis, we need you. And so I called on the phone and heard about what was happening and the number of people that were without power. 
And, you know, obviously we're familiar with freeze events. You know, we have Missouri, Arkansas. I mean, so a freeze right. event in and of right. itself wasn't something new to us. But now what you have is you have people are, who aren't used to freeze events. So the Missouri, Arkansas, Mississippi, all but they know what to do. They know, you right. know, the maneuvers to do at their house to prevent the actual pipes from bursting because they're so used to it. Not that they can prevent every one, but it certainly would have helped. And in this case, you didn't have that. And it really happened, you know, overnight. So we had so many claims coming in so quickly. And then, of course, as you know, that the big struggle for all of us in the industry, you know, was emergency services and their response. Because at the time, if you remember, it wasn't just the freeze event. Other states were having weather problems. So emergency services, it wasn't like a hurricane where you'd say, okay, you know, the hurricane is landing in Florida. So everybody go to Florida on Monday. This was everybody's needed kind of everywhere in the Midwest now. <laughs> right. uh, and the, the strain on resources um, was substantial, which then meant, you know, damages were more than they would have been. You hit the nail on the head. People in Texas don't know how to mitigate for a freeze. Right. It's going to be bad. I know you have an excellent cat team and I'm sure they did a good job for you. Is it pretty cleaned up now? Yeah, we have about 90% of the files closed. We had just over 7,000. I just gave what would be probably our last substantive update to our staff officers this week. And, you know, really to me, what was amazing at the end of the day is out of 7,100, almost 7,200 claims, only one formal complaint to me from a member. Wow. Um, and as it turns out, it was actually written by a PA. So <laughs> you expect those kinds of things. Yes. But I mean, one out of 7,165, I just got a compliment yesterday that was sent to our CEO from one of our members in Texas who actually talked about how much he appreciated that he had auto people helping him and how wonderful this casualty adjuster was in helping him and how much in his mind that that matched up with his expectations of us to deliver legendary service. And I think he got the, he got the impression we were trying to impose upon him, which was we're all here to help you no matter what we do. And so it's, it's nice to have most of it in our rear view mirror, but it was a pretty crazy, you know, six to eight week period of time for sure. Let's get back to talking about ACE as a old established membership organization, who's always, as I understand it, been pretty committed to, you know, high touch claim handling, lots of love and involvement. And how do you modernize understanding the constraints of the world we live in today from a cost standpoint, a time standpoint, a distance standpoint? How do you modernize that? How do, how do you bring that into where we are today, into the 21st century? One of the things that I'm trying to do with, with my team and our approach is to start with the things that our members would probably be most happy to get. And that's one of the things that we just uh, started piloting about two months ago was electronic payments because everybody wants their money faster. Right. right. So right. picking those rather than forcing everybody into an online channel. Um, and again, for people not familiar with the club, you know, many of our members are used to walking into an office for that service. We're certainly trying to push them 
on the membership side for more web services. But to your point, you know, they expect that personal interaction. So we might be going about it a little bit differently, but I think it is for the reasons that you're talking about and then helping us figure out as we're building these component parts of straight through processing, you know, which ones go the best. And although we don't have any full straight through on the auto side, our member service uh, scores certainly internally have never been higher. So we're doing something right and figuring out that that balance. But I think, you know, we're talk, building up those component parts, I think, is going to be important. So FNAL will be done uh, this year, but I don't know that we're going to try to push people there. We want to make it available for those who want it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And figuring out our member base, we definitely have, although uh, changing over time, but our demographics are probably different. Uh, than some of the other, you know, what you call high-tech progressive carriers, no pun intended. But, um, you know, so I think figuring out what's best for our members as we go along the way and not doing anything radical. You know, our member preferred repair program on the auto side continues to be uh, the number one channel for our members to get their vehicle repaired. Uh, and they, they're picking that service score-wise over, you know, photo-based estimating. So being careful when we do something not to force it on somebody and do it at the right time and then continuing to evolve that process as we go along. Are you finding demographic differences? I mean, obviously you have an enormous number of insureds or members, enormous number. And so, and that spans every, every, every age group. Are, are you finding it that people in different age groups want to be served differently or is it more a little more homogenous than you might have imagined. Well, it's interesting that you asked that question because we just started piloting a two-way text solution on auto physical damage claims. We had to had one-way texting before, but not two-way, and we got the uh, some initial results back uh, this week that said the over 60 group, I think, has the highest percentage of acceptance. So... Um, <laughs> You know, it's where you're not surprised anymore. So again, we do tend to, and I think you're right, we tend to be more cautious perhaps than others. But I think that's where we say, let's put those pieces in place. Obviously, the the two-way tech solution is something that everybody is used to. Um, You know, I would rather get a text message if I had a claim because I'm in meetings all day. I don't want somebody calling me. Um, you know, I want the text message. So that part was a surprise. Uh, so we're mm-hmm. just going to keep building and making sure that we're um, measuring things extra close and that we're doing the right thing for the member and giving them what they want. Well, several years ago, I had the opportunity of bringing our services to Auto Club Enterprises. And I had the opportunity to meet with you on several occasions. And this is before you're in your current position. And I was always super impressed by how progressive a thinker you were and kind of a couple steps ahead. And so it doesn't surprise me that you guys are, like you said, you want to come out of COVID as a good experience, not something that you endured or you just got through. Now that we're whatever percentage of the way through it, are you getting there? Have you been able to do that? I think so. I mean, we took the time to, you know, not only explore, investigate, and begin to pilot uh, the innovation in the innovation space. Uh, The other, the two things on my list always have been 
technology and training to improve both of those for us. And so while we were all hibernating, uh, we were developing, you know, new training courses, new training programs, and uh, those are just now launching now that we're hiring new people. So I do think that we're going to come out better um, on the other end, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. You know, I actually have, to me, the Auto Club is a family business. I've had, you know, over 10 members of my family work here, and at some point we're probably going to end up with 300 or so years of service with the club. So it behooves me to make sure that my relative's retirement is safe and that my <laughs> retirement is safe. Um, I used to joke with my mom, you know, I, I, I'm a responsible mom for making sure that nobody moves back in because we're all doing so well at the club. So I, I take it seriously and it is just kind of that deeper level, but I'm very excited where we're going. And I know that you have great people on your team. You've built your team over time. And uh, do you mind if I call one of them out? I do not. Okay. James Davis is one of the most interesting, uh, unique claims executives I've ever met. What's he up to at Auto Club now? He's actually our product owner. He was managing a local um, early response operation, which for us would be, you know, the initial phase of an auto claim at a large operation in Long Beach. And our product owner had changed jobs and we really weren't sure who was going to fill that role. And James came up to talk to me uh, for something someday. And I, all of a sudden it, it dawned on me that, you know, this is probably the product owner sitting in front of me. And so I asked him to take on that role. And, and he has been, as you know, no matter what he does uh, with professionalism and excellence. And that just continues in that role. And, and really, we couldn't be where we are in the innovation space without his support. I've always been very impressed with your organization. I've only dealt with the claims side in the, the dedication that people have to the organization. And I know from talking to people over time that they're also very dedicated to you. You're a progressive and intelligent leader who has created tremendous success there. And we're thrilled that you gave us a few minutes to tell us what's on your mind and how you did it. Well, thank you. It's been it's been great being with you. And I think you know that I'm so fortunate to be surrounded by such great people. And, you know, when you go to an auto club meeting and you go around the room, you're supposed to talk about your years of service. And anybody new to the club continues to be surprised when you go around the room and it's 25, 35, 30, 27. Uh, there, there is an affinity for uh, the, for the business and the company, and I think it's a two way street. As somebody who's had the opportunity in the past to be a vendor to this organization, it really is a very unique place, and we're thrilled and honored to have you with us. Please come back again. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, Rob. You know that. Thanks, Lee. I'm sorry you weren't with us today. Yeah, because me too. Me too. Claudia is terrific yeah huge job yes it's a big job huge right. job right she she sits at the top of an org with literally thousands of employees and woke up one day and it was covid yeah <laughs> had to navigate and lead a multi-state multi-location insurer claims org through a time when, as we know, you couldn't even go to somebody's house to adjust a claim. Yeah, that's exactly. Talk about leadership. Talk about not management, but leadership. Being able that's to right. to think a step, you know, one, two, ten steps down the road, and think about the decisions that you're making, how they'll impact 
future decisions. That is leadership right there. Right. And not only do you have all these things that are inhibiting the normal process of people working, but on top of which, your auto claims drop by, I don't know what, Big 50, per, 50% plus. Huge. So you, you have all these competing and different factors going on at the same time and how you come through that and you're not in the hospital. Yeah. Big tribute to Claudia. We thank her for being with us. She's been on before and obviously did a great job. And you guys all know why she was with us today, a star in our industry. Thank you, Claudia, for being with us. We really appreciate it. And thank the people at Auto Club Enterprises for making her available. And we thank you for being with us. And we thank our Cracker Jack production team for really doing all the work because all Lee and I kind of do is show up. Pretty faces. Yeah, well, you know, somebody has to have that job. Yeah, I'm glad you do. I'm glad I do. As we all know, I'm the key one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the you're the smart one. Yeah, you're the smart, or the other one. I like that better. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh huh. Or your, what's his name? Yeah, who's that other guy with Rob? I like that too. I'm good with that. Yeah. So until next time. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>